Hello and welcome to Cannon and Cockerell. My name is Michael and I'm a Spurs fan. And I'm Jason and I'm an Arsenal fan. And the Antonio Conte era, if you can call it that, is over. Uh, Christian Cellini and Ryan Mason seeing us through to the end of the season. Um, meanwhile, Arsenal uh, failing to win a European trophy yet again. Um, I don't know what's going on in the, in the Premier League. I, I, I haven't been paying attention. Um, Jason, I'm, I'm guessing you have some gloating to do regarding Antonio Conte and, and how it's all ended. Are, are you here to say I told you so? Podcasting is an hour of recording. And at the end, Jason is always right. <laughs> I called it from the start that it would be a disaster because bottling and mediocrity and not getting the best out of the resources is what Spurs do best. And yet again, they have missed an opportunity to, to grow. And it's unbelievable because... The man had money to spend. The man is a good manager on paper. They have a stadium. They have their talisman. Yet they can't get it over the line. And and I called that the signings were a disaster last year. Richardson was an overpriced dud. Perisic was old and a has-been. Forster is a laughing stock. Um, Jed Spence, who? Where is he? Um, don't even know the rest of your lot. Still not a backup striker for Kane, really. Um, Son off a cliff, no new centre-backs. It is happy days. Basuma never wanted him, always told you I never wanted him. Um, it makes me laugh that, you know, you got last summer and you thought, well, Spurs in the Champions League, Arsenal fifth, Arsenal have the rookie, Spurs have the great manager, Spurs are going to go strength to strength, they're going to go one better this year than Pochettino and win the Champions League and... Uh, and go for the title, and no. And it, is a, it was a real testament to how badly Spurs played last year and how they really cl- uh, crawled over the line. The fact that two players in Zinchenko and Jesus said, I don't want to play for Champions League Spurs and Conte. I want to play for Europa League Arsenal and rookie manager Mikel Arteta. So I'm absolutely delighted. I'm maybe I've got a little bit of pity for some of the Spurs fans because it must be hard trying everything and nothing works. I mean, what did Coldplay say? Would you try your best and you don't succeed? Um, I don't know where Spurs go from here. I know we've had lots of hypothetical conversations, but I suppose now it's actually happened. What next for Spurs? Because it's interesting how a lot of his staff has stayed and they kind of just announced that if I'm right in saying that there won't be a permanent manager till the end of the season. So what does that mean? Is that ruling out, you know, is that almost conceding and saying we're not going to, we probably won't get top four. We, 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 we're just going to settle for, you know, whatever happens. What kind of attitude is that? Or do you need to rebuild and do, I guess you call an arsenal nowadays, you rebuild, you burn it to the ground and you build it up again the right way. But does that work if you have the same owners, the same directors and the same structure in the club and some of the same players? Um, I won't even touch upon Arsenal because uh, we're having a right time at top of the league. Winning, winning, winning. Can't complain. Except in the Europa League, though. You, you, you're not winning there. Well, it's, it was a distraction from 
you know, we might not win the league, but at least we have a sole objective. No more injuries in other competitions. We know what we're going for. But that was a nice deflection tactic. I know you work <laughs> as a journalist. So let's be honest. Tell me about Spurs, Michael. Well, just one thing to come back on with Jesus and Zinchenko. I don't think Zinchenko turned down Spurs for us. And I don't think we ever in for him. Jesus, obviously, there were some links. I don't know how concrete they were. Um, and I don't think we played badly at the end of last season. I think it's the opposite. And I think that's why this season has been so disappointing and confusing, because actually we did end last season so well. And it wasn't just results. It was, I think people forget the the goals we were scoring. We we finished fourth in, in some style by the end. And I think that's why there was that optimism uh, and momentum, it seemed like, going into the summer. And that's why it has been so disappointing that it hasn't materialised this season. That being said, I was thinking about this earlier and I was thinking, well, we finished fourth last season. We're fourth in the table at the moment. I mean, Conte was fourth when he was sacked. Could have been third if we hadn't conceded that last minute equaliser to Southampton. He's picked up the fourth highest number of points uh, in the league since he's come in. Um, I think he's <laughs> he's um, got the second highest Premier League points, points per game um, average after Pochettino in the Premier League era. And it made me think... Actually, results-wise in the league, that's certainly not sackable results. Not when you consider where we were when he came in. Not when you consider that we finished seventh and sixth the two seasons before last season. But I think what it shows, what con- this whole Conte thing has shown, is how important the mood is around the club and how much that can shape people's perception of of, of where the club is at. Because you know we always say football's results-based, and obviously in many ways it is, but as I've said, results-wise in the league, apart from a few bad defeats here and there, it hasn't been that bad. Obviously, the Cups is a, a different story, which we can get onto, but it's not exactly been sackable results, but it's been the performances this season. It's been the the contract situation, the will he, won't he. It's been uh, the clear uh, divide that, that seemed to, to grow between him and the dressing room, obviously culminating in that rant after Southampton. And it seems like that's created maybe a greater sense of chaos around Spurs than is maybe actually the case when you look at the table and you look at results. I think obviously how well Arsenal are doing in the league makes it seem a lot worse as well. Um, But the way people are talking about Spurs at the moment, you'd think we were in some sort of relegation scrap. Like we're we're fourth. Like it may be a a false position because two or three teams below us have games in hand and a better goal difference. But at the end of the day, you'd rather have the points on the board than, than the games in hand. You know, fourth is not a a terrible place for for Spurs to be, particularly not in kind of recent history. And it's not, you know, like I said, compared to where we were when Conte came in, it's not like we're 10th, right? Like Chelsea, all the money Chelsea spent, they're 10th. Or Liverpool, who are having a a worse season than us, they may yet finish above us. I expect they probably will now. But still, it's like, I feel like the, the noise around Spurs makes the situation seem worse than maybe it is. And if if with this much supposed chaos and crisis, we can still be fourth almost third then it makes me think well where could we be if we did actually have a manager who got along with the players and who actually wanted to be there and who actually played a different formation in 3-4-3 you know where could we be um with with that better manager so on the the one hand I feel like we're just you know football's very fickle it can change very quickly all it takes is getting the right manager in and things could look very different on the other hand I don't really trust Daniel Levy and the board to appoint the right manager or make that right decision because 
you could argue yet again with Conte, they've shown that they've they've made the wrong decision yet again. And do you really trust them to get it right this time? And that's where I do kind of feel a bit pessimistic. But I feel like, I mean, you've said it yourself at the beginning, you know, you've got the stadium, you've got this, you've got that. The fundamentals are there. I just think you need the right man in charge. Um, who that right man is, whether we'll get that right man, I don't know. But I kind of feel like, yes, it's bad. We've had, we've, what, on our fourth manager in four years. Yes, it's bad. Our director of football is basically banned from football. But <laughs> we've seen with Man United, right? Last This time last year, everyone was saying how sort of insurmountable the problems were at Man United, how it would take them years to compete again. And yeah, OK, maybe you could argue the jury's still out on Ten Hag to an extent. But I mean, that's the case, right? Maybe, you know, Ten Hag, because of there's a sense of forced momentum, the mood at United is maybe uh, greater than the results are, right, in proportion. And maybe the mood at Spurs is worse than the results would suggest in proportion. And like I said, it, it comes back to mood and atmosphere. And maybe that's all we need. We just need that that um, kind of positive uplift. Um, the man. Who's that man who can bring that? All women. Could be women. All women. I mean, a lot of Spurs fans actually um, have said that uh, Emma Hayes, who, you know, manages Chelsea women's because she is a Spurs fan and is, <laughs> is one of the you know best managers in the women's game. A lot of. I've seen a lot of Spurs fans online say, you know, why not her? But um, in terms well, of who it is... Eventually. I, I, I wonder who it will happen for. And it'd be nice if it was a if it was a big club that said, you know what, let's just do it. It, it makes no difference if she's, if she's a tactical mind. She's brilliant. Why? Why not? But I wonder whether, you know, you could always, you could always see Chelsea doing it ironically and just saying, you know what, bring it to the men's team. You could. Although speaking of, of Chelsea and what they do... Um, in terms of who the next man will be, obviously there's a lot of excitement about Nagelsmann now that he's on the market. But I can't help but shake this feeling that Chelsea are going to ditch Potter at the end of the season, despite how much they've stuck by him, and swoop in for for Nagelsmann before Spurs can can even you know speak to him. So I'm not going to let myself get excited about that one. And also I have a bit of a I don't know if this is a hot take about Nagelsmann, but do you think that he's maybe a little bit overrated? Well. I think sometimes what happens with these young managers is when they take over a very big club, they're only doomed to fail because these big, big, big clubs want immediate results. So, you know, Arteta technically, I know I'm going to sound a bit of a pathetic fan here. He wasn't really taking over. He's taking over a big name, but he wasn't taking over a big club at the time in Arsenal. can't believe I'm saying that. Um, but someone like Nagelsmann, lots of high potential, did well at Leipzig. But, you know, he was only, he did well in Bayern the first year, I believe he won the league. I'm not sure if he won the cup as well. But ultimately, if he wasn't going to win the next year, then he was always doomed to fail. So I don't know. And it's the same with Graham Potter. You know, he never won the thing with Brighton, but it certainly felt like he did the way he was taking them up. So was he always doomed to fail? And does he now seem overrated in hindsight? And I wonder if you put a Nagelsmann in a, in a Spurs and he recreates the culture of the club and you know, does what he's done best before? Or I guess, is there an extent to which a big manager eventually has to become a big manager by being at a big club and, and winning all the time there? But I mean, for, me, for me, if he goes to Chelsea, it's going to be the same old. What's the point for him? His reputation will be in the mud. I think Graham Potter will struggle to get a biggest job ever again and ever be rated the same because you'd argue, or the, the, the you know, the mainstream... Um, 
kind of visuals would say, well, look, he failed. Well, that's the thing with Nagelsmann at, at Bayern, isn't it? Like he, by their standards, failed there. I mean, like you say, he won the league, but every Bayern manager basically wins the league. Um, and I just find it funny. I mean, I think I agree with you that a club like Spurs might actually be a better fit for Nagelsmann than a club like Bayern. There are some managers who maybe being at the super clubs with those big personalities doesn't quite fit the way they want to manage. But I just find it funny how, particularly when it comes to talking about Spurs and prospective managers, you know, everything comes back down to trophies. And all Nagelsmann's won is is a Bundesliga at Bayern that is basically handed to them every season. And people say, people write off Pochettino in general, not necessarily talking about him coming back to Spurs, but in general, people seem to talk about Pochettino at PSG and like, oh yeah, he failed at PSG. And it's like, well, hang on a minute. He did a much better job at PSG than Nagelsmann did at, at Bayern. He got further in the Champions League with them. Um, won, you know, won the league there as well. Won the trophies you'd expect him to win, but performed better in the Champions League. Um, I mean, look, don't get me wrong. If we got Nagelsmann, I'd be excited because, you know, there's, he's clearly got something about him and I know it would make rival fans jealous and it would at least be something new and fresh and exciting. But one, I don't think we will get him because I think he's probably waiting for, let's be honest, better offers. And two, if we did get him, it would almost make me, it's like that famous quote, what was it like? Oh, I wouldn't want to join any club that would have me as a member. I'd almost be suspicious if he came to us because I'd think, well, what's wrong? <laughs> what's wrong with him, right? If he's come to us, like I saw someone on Twitter say, oh, is he just like the German AVB? And I do kind of feel like an argument like at Bayern, obviously we don't know the full story, but it's kind of, I don't know. And also I'd question with Nagelsmann how long term it would really be. Everyone says what Spurs need is like a long term project. But with Nagelsmann and kind of the hype around him, if he came to Spurs and had a really good first season or a really good two seasons, then all the kind of, you know, Real Madrid's would be swooping in for him and he'd probably want to go there. So then I don't know how long. And the fact that all the kind of noise around it is always going to assess his options in the summer. Real Madrid might be interested. It already get that sense of another manager who maybe feels like he's too good for us or too big for us and maybe someone like you would say he is but as a fan of a club you're like you want somebody who's coming in who's going to be all in and maybe Nagelsmann would be that guy I mean people are making a big deal of the fact that he's supposedly a Spurs fan I think it's been a little bit overstated I think at at most he kind of enjoyed watching us under Pochettino is I I feel like the, the truth of it but whether he's an actual Spurs fan I don't know um so I have my reservations about Nagelsmann, but that might just be me already preparing myself so I don't get disappointed when we don't get him. Um, I think, sorry? I mean, I mean, what is the equivalent of the Arteta move for, for Spurs? I suppose it's it's not quite Ryan Mason. It's probably Michael Carrick. I'd love, I, I think Michael Carrick, the job he's done at Middlesbrough this season, I think has been tremendous. And obviously he was a former Spurs player. Um whether it be too, I mean, he's only been at Middlesbrough, what, not even half a season. So, and coach didn't even manage. Well, exactly. I mean, probably in terms of experience, Ryan Mason probably is the closest comparison because he's only been a, like a number two, right, or an academy coach. Um, and I'm, I was quite surprised that it wasn't when I saw the uh, the uh, notably brief um, announcement about Conte sacking. I was surprised that it was Stellini and Mason and not Mason again and. Initially, I was like, hmm, that's, you know, they they trusted him enough to put him in charge last time. Why not this mm. time? But I feel like it was maybe they saw how well Stellini and Mason worked together and maybe they didn't want to have to pay off all the backroom stuff at once. And 
maybe it's about minimizing disruption. And I heard on another podcast, apparently um, Mason's about to have another kid. So maybe they thought, you know, maybe keep Selene around. I don't know. But oh, muzzle top to you, Ryan. Yeah. Congratulations, Ryan Mason. Um, and a very interesting listen with him. If, if you want to listen to another podcast, uh, the High Performance podcast he was on recently. Wow. And I thought gave a very impressive interview. He talked about, you know, his head injury and how he came back from that. And then having to end his playing career so young going to coaching and when I was listening to it I was thinking this guy is is going to be Tottenham manager full-time one day um whether now is too soon I don't know but I feel like at least with him you would have a sense of he's somebody who loves the club and wants to be there and I think that was you know coming back to the mood point I was making earlier with Conte you never got the sense that he would he was fully you always felt a distance there and this is the argument why some people make to, to bring Pochettino back, right? They say what we need is somebody who gets the club, who loves the club, and who can give that kind of positive atmosphere again, and then things can trickle down from there. Um, but in terms of, I guess, a, a, an Arteta type, yeah, you're probably looking at Mason or Carrick. Previously, you probably would have said Scott Parker, but I think he's torched his reputation now with what happened at Bournemouth and then Bruges. Um, I've seen some people, there was an article in the Times yesterday saying Spurs should hire Vincent Company, but to me that seems a bit too much like you're mm. trying to copy Arteta and you're just you're just preparing Man City's next manager for them. Um, you know, at least with Arteta, he's got the City connection, but he did play for Arsenal, right? So even if he does end up at City one day, you don't you, you know he, he could easily stay at Arsenal as well, right? Whereas with Vincent Company, it's like if he was to come to Spurs and do well and Pep were to leave probably in one or two years' time you'd probably think, now nah, we're not going to hold on to him. So if you're looking for someone long-term, yes, company's young and up and coming, but is he really one who's going to be around for, for four or five years? I don't know. Um, and I kind of feel like Spurs have got themselves in this tricky situation where maybe what, what the club wants and what the club needs are maybe two different things. Go back to fix you, right? When you get what you want, but not what you need. Mm. Maybe what Levy wanted was the big name superstar manager, the Mourinho, the Conte where maybe what he needed was more of the Pochettino type, right? Which is what he had before and, and what got him the closest we've been under that ownership to winning the biggest trophies. And maybe what Spurs need is that more up and coming long-term project manager, but they're now stuck in this thing of once you've had a Mourinho, once you've had a Conte, is it hard then to hire somebody of a, of a lower profile that people now expect a certain name? And I was thinking in terms of like, which managers are in that sweet spot of maybe being kind of potential long-term project managers, but also a big enough profile that, that players and fans would be excited. And probably Nagelsmann, De Zerbi and Pochettino are in that sweet spot of being managers who you could think of as being project managers but have a big profile. But for different reasons, I don't think any of those three are going to end up being the man. I think mm. if it was going to be Poch, you think it would have happened by now because he's a free agent. Uh, there's a suspicion he's waiting for the Real Madrid job and Spanish media is saying that he's Real Madrid's number one target. We've talked about Nagelsmann and Chelsea. With De Zerbi, would he leave Brighton so soon? I mean, Brighton are kind of happy to sell people for the right price. But again, if if you were to leave Brighton so soon, would that then make you question his, his loyalty? Would you think, well, then how long is he going to stick around at Spurs? Um, some big Italian clubs might be looking for managers this summer. He is Italian. Might he... If he is going to leave Brighton so soon, might he not be more attracted by a Juventus or a Milan job? So I'm not sure about those three. I, I kind of said this to you jokingly when we were messaging the other day, but I, I can't help but think this will just be a repeat of the Nuno summer. 
and we'll end up with someone like Marco Silva or kind of that sort of tier um, because I just think it's going to be another, you know, it should be with this time period of, okay, we're putting an interim to the end of the season. It should be set up. So it's all lined up. The new manager, the deal's done. He can take over straight away. But the fact that we're waiting till the summer means that probably knowing us, talks won't even start until the start of the summer. And then we'll probably have a few managers turn us down or not work out or get stamped up by someone else. And it'll just be a repeat of that. And we'll end up having to get in probably literally Marco Silva, right? And that'll be the thing. And it'll be kind of Nuno part two. I don't know. Maybe I'm being too pessimistic. Maybe uh, things will fall in our favour. Maybe Nagelsmann oh. really is the closet Spurs fan people think and is desperate to join. But that that's how I see it playing out at the moment. It's interesting you said about expectations because ultimately that's probably the problem is if they have such high expectations, you almost you almost don't want to meet them so they don't have high expectations and then you might exceed the expectations. And I'm going to play a little game with you here, making up on the spot. I'm going to give you some manager names and I want you to say yes or no if you wanted them in charge of Spurs. Okay. Nathan Jones. Nathan Jones. <laughs> uh, no, thank you. Got Parker? Uh, if you'd asked me about a year or two ago, I would have said yes, but now no. David Moyes? No. Uh, Brent Rogers? No. Steve Cooper? Um, do you know what? I don't. I, I, I like him more than most people do. Um, I'd, I'll say a, a, a maybe for Steve Cooper. I wouldn't be as depressed by that thought as I know a lot of other Spurs fans would be. I'm going to give you a very controversial one here. Patrick Vieira. I knew you were going to say. I knew you were going to say that. No, that was a very. Um, uh, if, if, if that turns out to be Tottenham shortlist, that was a very scary list of names. What about Unai Emery? Uh, no, although it would be it would be pretty funny if he came to Spurs and ended up, you know, being the guy because that would be a great revenge story. But no, I'm going to give you one more. Thomas Frank. Yeah, I wouldn't mind. To, I'd, I'd be all right, Thomas Frank. My worry with him, and I guess it's similar to the whole Potter going from Brighton to Chelsea and then seeing how well Brighton did with the Zerbi. With Thomas Frank, I, I'd worry how much of that is him and how much is, is that how well run Brentford seems to be and like their scouting and their recruitment. Would he be able to replicate that at Tottenham? But I think Thomas Frank has the right sort of, he seems to have a very positive, almost Jurgen Klopp-esque um attitude and atmosphere he seems to kind of work the crowd at Brentford as well as the team uh, and who knows maybe he could convince Ivan Tony and David Rea to come and be the successors to Kane and Lloris um, I think Thomas Frank would be would be okay like if we ended up with him I'd be I, I think he almost is closer to what maybe Pochettino was in 2014 in the current era right a manager who's maybe overperforming with a club um and who would be kind of taking that step up and I think maybe that's what we need is a manager who is taking a step up to Spurs rather than someone who's on the way down like Mourinho and Conte were you know somebody who's building their reputation rather than trying to restore their reputation um so yeah I'd, I'd be okay with Thomas Frank now wouldn't be fair whilst I love Spurs bashing not have a little bit of Arsenal praise because every time we get on a podcast I think well it's going to be over and with 10 games to go and we're eight points ahead albeit a game played more I mean it's been unbelievable 
it's been absolutely unbelievable some of the style of play. But as always, I worry because Tommy Ash is out for the season now, so you have no spare right back. Saliba's injured, so you might be rolling with Rob Holding for a bit. Jesus coming back from full fit to full fitness. Um, Ketia nowhere to be seen with injury. Party apparently pulled up in the international break. So, you know, when you're looking at the fixtures, you're thinking, well, the boys should be capable of. I mean, I don't really want. I'm not even going to predict, but one, two, three, four, five, six out of ten. I think we should win. Two of them, I think we should draw. So, if that was the case, it would all be about the city game. I mean, how are you feeling coming into now the, the home straight? Because as you say, eight points clear. You, I know obviously City are a juggernaut and may have started the season as favourites, but the way the season has gone, the position you found yourselves in now, it is your title to lose. I think it's been your title to lose for a, a while now. It, what is it? Nervousness? Is it excitement? Is it because if you don't win it from here? I mean, I know obviously at the start of the season, top four was the aim and all of that. But how bad would you feel if now you didn't get over the line? Now you found yourselves in this position at this stage of the season. Well, it's interesting seeing Haaland apparently actually really is injured. So it'll be interesting to see whether we get a couple of weeks without him and that impacts their results. Um, I'm a bit of both because I'm still kind of reframing and saying top four was the, was the aim. City are that good. It only takes two games to slip up, which is so easy to do, especially when we have Anfield away, um, when we have, I believe, Newcastle away, City away, Chelsea at home. They aren't easy games, let alone West Ham away and some of the other games. So You'll beat West Ham and Chelsea, you always do. Yeah, I, I, I just, I worry. I worry and... Uh, is City have a big squad and they can just rotate and when the injuries come, it won't affect them. I don't think it's enough yet as a buffer to make me feel like we're 100% going to do it. But I agree with you. It's it. it's, listen, if it's in your hands, then you've got, a, you've got a chance and it's been unbelievable. And I just, I think for me, what I don't want it to happen is that we just miss out and then everyone starts turning and being all pessimistic because guys, like, we weren't expected to be anywhere near this. We thought our club was over. I mean, we thought we were becoming, not another Leeds, but uh, certainly, you know, just everyone hates the fans. Sorry, everyone hates the owners, the players, the manager, the captain. So, for me, I want to be in it till the end. And I think it will pain me if we just miss out. But you want to be in the mix. You don't want to get to the last couple of weeks and City have made it mathematically and you peter out. Um, at the same time, I'm not sure how much um, I could take a final day, um, a final day uh, title charge. Um, I mean, because the implications in the summer, they probably are still. It's kind of you're now you're now looking at a different tier of player getting to the Champions League, and that's great. But be, between a title win and a second place, you know that could be the difference to a a Declan Rice or a, or someone of that caliber. Yeah, a, a title win or a, a biggest title bottle job in, in Premier League history. Um, on City, yes, big squad, but 
they, unlike Arsenal, are still in European competition and we know how much they've coveted the Champions League. So that could potentially be a distraction for them. And because I've had so few opportunities to uh, bash Arsenal this season, I do have to talk about the Europa League because I am genuinely um, curious as to why it is that Arsenal's record in Europe for a club of your size is as bad as it is and why in all the years you've been in the Europa League these past what six seven years how you've not won it I mean we've gotten criticism for not winning the Europa League in the years we've been in it but I'd have thought for you know club of you know all the 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 noise Arsenal fans make about Arsenal what a big club you are what a trophy winning club you are I'd have thought you'd have at least I know you made that one final where you lost what was it 4-0 to Chelsea um, but I'd have thought the Europa League would would have been yours for the taking. We've seen when Chelsea and United have, have dropped into it in recent years, they've gone and won it. Sporting Lisbon finished third behind Spurs in our Champions League group. You played a, a strong team from what I saw. So what happened and why have Arsenal not managed to win a major European trophy? Big question or big questions. Um gone blank with my answer but essentially I think that we've gone close over the years we have had disruptions in in the Europa League in terms of Wenger, Unai and Arteta have all managed it so it's not like it's all the same manager and the same squad of players anything can happen in a one-off game I think it's harder now I think we underestimate how good some of these teams can be in one-off ties as well um, I haven't seen Spurs winning any European trophies for a long time as well. Um, albeit more, got, more than Arsenal. Albeit they got close, yes, but a long, long time ago. Um, I I just think maybe mentally it just isn't a priority anymore when it's Europa League and Champions League. It would be, but we we're not good enough. We don't have the quality for that. So I think that you know there's always an excuse every year, and I think you know the excuses last year that ultimately. Aubameyang missed a sitter, or was it the year before, and, and bottled it. No, it wasn't last year, because we weren't in Europe last year, the year before that. And then this year, I think they had other fish to fry. I think uh, I think it was a strong team, but it only looks like a strong team because we have a bigger squad now this season. So actually, it was a bit of a mismatch of players. And, and what we've seen in the Premier League is they play so well together. It's a bit like that Leicester eleven, where it was just the same eleven every week, and they play well together, and they know how they play. You change it a little bit and it doesn't work. Um, and that's what I think happened this year. So I don't have a, a better answer for you in the fact that we've tried, we have failed. I agree. It's not good enough for a club of our stature, but I believe we're in the right direction. And like uh, we've been top four, but now we're, we're fighting for titles. Hopefully we get into Champions League and we're, we're ready to fight for Champions Leagues because with all due respect, if Tottenham Hotspur can get to the Champions League final then uh, Arsenal should be able to win that. Yeah, but you see, to quote Jose Mourinho, it's, it's football heritage. Tottenham have a history and a heritage in European competition that Arsenal just seem to lack. You know, we've won two UEFA Cups. Arsenal haven't won any. You know, when we've been in the Champions League, we've always done something, you know, got to a final or got to knockout stages. I mean, this season, even this season, we got to the knockout round. We always do something in Europe. For some reason, it's always been in Tottenham's history, DNA, Arsenal, for whatever reason, it comes to Europe. It, I th- it was funny how the the goal from the halfway line against Sporting Lisbon was eerily reminiscent of when Naeem, the former Spurs player, did a David Seaman from the halfway line 
just seems to be the Arsenal DNA in Europe can't quite cut it. And I wonder whether in the Champions League, it'll be interesting to see, because on the one hand, I feel like maybe you'll go in there, you'll hit the ground running and maybe you will have a run like we did. But I remember when Pochettino's Tottenham first got into the Champions League and admittedly we were playing at Wembley, the group games, which kind of skewed it, but they actually struggled. And I wonder whether, you know, you you mentioned the Leicester season and, and how you've had kind of the same 11 a lot of the time. I wonder whether next season Champions League whether actually that will be a a struggle for you because in the Europa League group stage we've mentioned this you're able to rest a lot of players and whether maybe there'll be so much because it's you know been so long out of the Champions League there'll be so much on emotion on those games that it might affect either the league form or you might struggle then in the Champions League games because they, they feel so big and maybe it's a bit too much pressure for the players I don't know it's kind of a I guess we won't know until next season but I wonder whether do you worry that that you said initially top four was the aim, but do you think top four might also bring its own problems next season in terms of that squad, that manager in Arteta is not managing that? Comp- well, I guess he was insistent under Pep, but we know Pep shoots himself in the foot in the Champions League all the time, right? So might have learned the wrong lessons from him when it when it comes to that competition. Do you worry about maybe how they'll be able to, to cope with Champions League football next season? Well, first off, I have to say I'm very impressed with how many trophies Spurs have won in this millennium. Um, secondly... Um, I, uh, I'm just not thinking about it. We've got 10 games to go in the Premier League. Everything else is a bonus. This is our one, this is our one shot probably before everyone gets strong to, to, to get that trophy on the board and, and, and big ourselves up. I think, I think though that we've built up a squad and we're building up a bigger squad and we will continue regardless. Now we, we're going to have this Champions League football, please God. Uh, <laughs> why is it? I want to know. Um, and, and that will allow us to have enough of the squad to at least, you know, get through to those knockout stages and then bring out the big guns for the knockouts. I think I think we'll have enough in terms of quality. You know, if your if your backup midfielder is Jorginho, um, I think you're looking pretty good. But I think we need we need a little bit more strength and depth in terms of quality. That's why I mean, people looked at me like I was crazy the other day when I was saying something like. I think we can upgrade on Aaron Ramsdale. I think we can upgrade on Ben White. I think we can probably upgrade on um, on Jesus, to be honest with you. I think we can do better and we should be able to do better. You know, it's an evolution. And, and that, you know, City have 100 different of these uh, tacky midfielders who can rotate in and out. That's what we need to be aiming for. And if you can get that, then there's no reason why we can't compete on all fronts. I think Arteta would have learned from the master pep about how to uh, about how to manage a campaign on all fronts, albeit yes, um, they haven't quite done it yet, City. But wouldn't surprise me if they do it this year. I think they're pretty close. Um, and it's probably a little bit of writing on the wall this year for them. So I can't tell you again. I can't I can't predict the future. But all I know is that if we're in the mix and we're there, um, I'll be happy because it's now. I think we've had a previous discussion on it actually that. Um, nowadays it will be easy it will be an achievement to get Champions League football three out of five years because you can't guarantee anymore because it's so competitive but I remember you said something offline we haven't had a chat about it something about Europa League and Spurs and whether actually it might be a better thing yes actually thank you for reminding me because so I was reading flicking through this um, lovely little commemorative and I know you'll probably laugh when I say this but it's a very well produced little publication um, my dad and I bought it when we went to a Spurs game. They had a, a little book on um, 
Harry Kane's 267 goals, you know, and he broke the record. And it was basically goal by goal, a picture and, and description of each goal and some comments from Kane. Very lovely thing, you know, trip down memory lane. And when I was flicking through the first couple of pages, what really stood out to me was how many of his early goals were in the Europa League. And then I remembered that he broke through into the first team under Pochettino because of how well he was playing in the Europa League. And that built up this groundswell of you've got to give him a chance in the league because Adebayor and Soldado, I think it was at the time, weren't performing. And I was thinking, you know, if, if we hadn't been in the Europa League, Harry Kane wouldn't have had those opportunities because once you're in the Champions League, the games are too big. You you don't feel like you can give those young players a chance. But in the Europa League, in the group stage, it gives an opportunity for these young players to get the game time and develop and stake their, their claim to be in the team. And I was thinking maybe actually, you know, we've been in the Champions League a lot in recent years. And, you know, I was quite disillusioned after what happened against AC Milan and, and what happened this season, because I thought, well, look, we got top four last season, but it didn't change anything. Arsenal have been in the Europa League all this time. And, and now look where they are, right? You know, why should I get excited about being in the Champions League if this is how we're going to perform when we're there and if it, it's not taking us to the next level? Europa League, as you say, is actually a, a strong competition. It's one we have a history in. And in the group stages, at least, it gives you an opportunity to see other players in the squad. And maybe actually we could do with being back in that competition. So the likes of your, your Jed Spence or your Oliver Skips or Pat Matesar or Brian Hill or uh, Dane Scala, Alfie Devine, whoever it is has those opportunities because once you're in the Champions League the games are so big you, you, the young players don't get a chance so actually I think if Spurs do end up in the Europa League or even the Europa Conference League quite frankly I won't be that upset because I think do you know what this is an opportunity now for players to come through it's a competition that we probably have a better chance of winning if we take it seriously you get to play different clubs and quite frankly we don't have a right to turn our nose up at any competition given it's been 15 years since we won a trophy Go out for it. Go out and win it. You know, look at Mourinho and Roma. They were in the Conference League. They took it seriously. They went and won it and they they felt great about it. You know, you've got to go for these competitions. And I think um, potentially being in Europa League, particularly if we're looking at maybe Harry Kane leaving in the summer, being in the Europa League could be our best chance of unearthing another another academy gem. But does lightning strike twice? And I'm going to I'm going to call this the cynic of me, the spuddy spin. Um, we love a good spuddy spin, but <laughs> fair enough. I do like it. And I, I do think you've got some, a point to it. Um, it's got a different reason. Like like not being in Europe is good for your league campaign. Look at us now. Look at us last season. It really helped Arsenal. Um, but anyway, this season, being in it still helped Arsenal. So maybe there's maybe it's a little bit more of a myth. Because some people say just get momentum in all the competitions. It will, it will drive success as well. But I hear you. I, th- I think... You know, if, if players think they're going to get more of a chance in the squad as well, it might be easier to get good squad players in um, in the door as well. So it'll be interesting to see. But I think it's, it's it's definitely still touch and go with that top four race. But I just think Liverpool, with the momentum they've got, the quality they've got, getting form at the right time, players back from injury at the right time, experience of Klopp, um, plus Newcastle doing their thing still, faltered a little bit, but could be in the mix it's uh it's probably not the time where you want to be you know having a a really a rookie and a half manager in charge of the club but if they if they do it do you think there's any chance he gets the job full time no i mean you could although having said that you know if we do go on some incredible run and finish in the top four there probably will be some people saying oh do you know what why not give him the job but I don't think it. I don't think there's any chance of Stellini getting the job full time. Um, 
I, I do think it is just until the end of the season. And then I think next season, um, based on this conversation, it'll probably be Steve Cooper's Tottenham Hotspur in the Europa Conference League and Mikel Arteta's title-winning Arsenal in the Champions League. I will be there to cover it all with me looking very smug. I will try to fix you.